eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So now Posey reaches away, and throws it so the crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You guys always showed me love. My family and I appreciate it so much. Uh, you guys are the best. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. This is kind of a surreal moment for me. You know, I grew up around here, as everybody knows, a absolute crazy barrier sports fan. Whether it was Cal and Stanford, whether it was the 49ers and the Raiders, whether it was the Giants and the A's, the Warriors, I was into it all. You know, I was walking over here today thinking, talk about full circle. You know, for me, this isn't even something as a kid you could even dream of, to, to be able to not only play here, manage here, go to Cal, manage the A's, uh, it's not something you even dream about. So at some point in time, this will sink in. I guess putting the jersey on and in and, and the hat is part, partly that way. But when I got up this morning, it just seemed like it was too crazy to even comprehend. So to be back here and, and, and be in an area that to me is so important and the Giants are so synonymous with the city, you know, it, it really is. San Francisco is the Giants. The Giants are San Francisco. And I don't think anybody understands that more than I do. And no one is going to be as responsible and caring and, and know that this matters to the city, what this team means to the city. Hello there. That there was Bob Melvin's opening statement, the newest manager of the San Francisco Giants. Welcome to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Loveman here, as always, with Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky for episode 79 Shasky, did you know that Bob Melvin was drafted in the third round of the 1979 MLB draft by the Baltimore Orioles out of Menlo Atherton High School? No, I didn't know that. Well, he did not sign with the Orioles. After that, he decided to go to college instead. He spent some time at uh, Canada College in Redwood City and then Kenyatta. Kenyatta, sorry, Kenyatta. Uh, college in Redwood City and then uh, Cal Berkeley before being drafted number two overall in 1981 to the Detroit Tigers. How many guesses do you think you would need to guess who the number one pick was in 1981? <laughs> 1981. And so if that went to the Detroit Tigers, give me four guesses here. Um, All right. Fernando Valenzuela, not. He was not drafted. I'm that teasing. Year. Yeah. Uh, Fernando Mini was early '80s. Uh, no, give it to me. I don't know who. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was Harry McCullough went number one to the Cardinals that year. The reason why it doesn't ring a bell is because literally no name from that 1981 draft <laughs> will ring any bells. I was looking through. It, it, there was no talent in there. A fun name that did pop up though, as I was waiting for you to get started. Uh, Ernie Riles went in the third Ernie round. Ernie X-Giant, X-Astro. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, hit uh, home run number 10,000 for the Giants. That's uh, that's his big thing there. But we're not talking about Ernie Riles. We're not talking about Harry McCullough. We are talking about Bob Melvin, the uh, newest manager of the San Francisco Giants, who was introduced last week uh, to the media and to the Giants fan base. And, yeah, the Giants, they have a new manager right now. Uh, so let's just get right into it, Shasky. All right, where are you on this hire? Do you like it? What's your thoughts? Give me your your Bob Melvin primer right now. It's a good I start. guess I got to accept it at this point. Like, I don't think this is going to be a game changer, at least immediately. They need better players, and mm-hmm. we can get on to that. 
But in terms of hiring an old school guy who's got some San Francisco ties and knows what it's like to be a giant and be from the Bay Area, yeah, it hit all the notes, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not going to lie to you. Like, there's a large part of me that I thought this was extremely underwhelming. I mean, not that I wanted some brand new manager because that's what the situation dictates. I was just taking a step back and I was like, I don't even know what I'm looking for in a manager because yeah. I'm not even sure exactly what they're looking for in a manager. So, like, let's take a step back, Sam, uh, and we'll get to what Bob does well. But what were they looking for in a manager? Credibility? Nationally? I, I think what they were looking for is I think they wanted someone to provide some stability I think they want a little bit more leadership too. And I got a cut from Farhan, uh, who is also at the presser along with Greg Johnson and who Greg Johnson, we'll get into him at some point in this podcast too. Uh, not in the good way. Um, I think that, yeah, they want a little bit more leadership, a little bit more stability. And yeah, I do think they want someone who is more experienced. Uh, I know you, you really wanted uh will Venable. That was kind of your top guy. If I recall in turn, but in the search they're talking, I don't know who they talked to fully. I know uh, Stephen Vogt was talked to. They talked to him. Jason Veritek interviewed. I was kind of out on, uh, I want to say, I said first-time manager, but uh, Ron Wotus would have technically been a first-time manager, and I would not have been against uh, the Giants hiring him. So I wanted a manager with more experience. And I felt the one knock on He's Gabe Kapler, one big knock on Gabe Kapler was that he just didn't have that much managing experience, which again, he's in his mid forties. You have to accumulate experience somehow. And he just didn't have it yet. Um, and with Bob Melvin, you get a guy who has been around the block quite a bit. Like you said, he is well-versed with what it means to be a San Francisco giant. He's a barrier local. So, and I know they do like the giants. They do like their local guys. So I think if that's what they're looking for, some leadership, more of that experience, that local touch, uh, a guy who's going to get along well with the analytics portion of the game, a guy who also still has his pulse on the gut feel of the game. I do feel like the Giants kind of were able to kind of straddle both sides of, of that fence there with this hire. Yeah, and I, I guess, look, on one end, it's the best they could do. On another mm -hmm. end, I'm optimistic for Bob. I'm rooting for him i want him to do well like there's only been so many managers during my lifetime like it, in my lifetime of actually mm -hmm. watching giants baseball roger craig dusty baker felipe alu bruce bochi gabe kapler at six this mm -hmm. is the seventh manager the seventh manager in my lifetime it's kind of issue you, you you mentioned that you know those seven managers now and when you name those seven names off, it's kind of interesting, just the style, the background, what they bring to the table. Gabe Kappa really is kind of the outlier there. Um, and geez, what they use the youngest. I think one of the youngest. How old was Dusty when he Dusty got hired? He was very actually? young, first time yeah. manager, but he was a bench coach, a hitting instructor prior, I believe, on Roger Craig's staff um, yeah. for, for some time. So, you know, and, and then they brought in Bobby Bonds to be a part of that staff who obviously wanted to be a part of the team because of Barry and whatnot. And like there was a variety of things that they were trying out. Yeah. But, but like, my, my point I'm making there is that Bob kind of fits with. You know, there's those six guys, Gabe Kapler, take him out. Bob, I think, fits more in with those five other guys that came before Gabe than Gabe Kapler does. And I'm not trying to make this a, a, a bash Gabe Kapler episode, but I do think that one thing I like about this hire is I do feel like you have the ability to have you have a manager because I know, I know we rail against analytics, but analytics are for the most part here to stay for the time being. Maybe that'll change down the road. That's not the conversation I want to have, but he can, he has, he's able to handle that. He's shown an ability to understand the analytics, but I still feel like he's a guy who he does have that old school touch. This is a guy who, you know, came up under Roger Craig. Uh, you know, he was asked, you know, at his intro press, you know, what did you learn from Roger Craig? And uh, he talked about, you know, he had a great thing. He talked about how he, he learned how to watch the game differently while playing under Roger Craig. Uh, he was asked, you know, who are some of the, the, the people who really influence your managing style? And he brought up Phil Garner, who they call, you know, old scrap iron because he was just a gritty old school manager. This is a guy who's come up through those old school ways. He's played this game before. He's been around the block before. These are all traits the Giants did not have really under Gabe Kapler. And when you hear about the coaching staff he wants to bring in, you're hearing names like uh, Matt Williams might be coming in. Ryan Vogelsong's name has popped up. Uh, Pat Burrell's name has been mentioned. I've heard Jason yeah, Christensen. Those guys were already with the organization. Like, in, in, but my internal. point is, they'll be part of the coaching staff now okay. in terms of just out elsewhere. I know Ryan Vogelsong and Pat Burrell, they were, you know, roving around the minor league system. Uh, I love the idea of Ryan Vogelsong being on this coaching staff 
first off. Uh, I've always felt if you had a team of 25 or 26 Ryan Vogel songs, you never lose a game because that dude just he has the attitude of a ball player. But and that a I couple love. things. Let me interrupt yeah. you here. Let me interrupt yeah, you here. So you bring up leadership and you bring up old school gut stuff. Like, I'm sorry, Bob Melvin has been a historic loser. Like, horribly horribly in the playoffs yes he won a couple of years ago and advanced to an nlcs when no one really gave them a chance i believe it was the year fernando tatis was suspended mm -hmm. but i mean if this is a guy who's old school and from the gut i mean he had johnny lester out there and couldn't throw over to first base they couldn't yeah. throw out a runner to save his life that's on the manager yeah, to not know that the guy can't throw over to first base a fundamental you know aspect of sixth grade baseball secondarily you can't call me and, hey, Joe, this guy's going to be a leader when he lost a clubhouse filled with superstars who wanted no part of him in, in San Diego. So, like, I get what you're saying. And I think yeah. big picture, he hits some of those notes. But How like, well he hits them, though. I think that's fair. I want to let's talk about the playoff thing a little bit. And then I want to get into the San Diego situation. First of the playoffs, like, how much do you weigh? Because he's been to the playoffs. I've got he's got the one with Arizona in 07. He's had three with the A's from 12, 13, 14, then three more with the A's in 18, 19, and 20. And then he's got the Padres in, what was it, 22. So he's got eight playoff appearances in the last 13 years, which objectively, that's pretty good. I think making the playoffs, I think we can all agree, making the playoffs is a good thing. So how much do you weigh the, the ability to make the playoffs, which the Giants have not done a lot in the last seven years, one playoff appearance in that time, versus you know, flaming out in the playoffs or like, how, how do you kind of weigh those two things together? Well, you keep bringing up the A's and all their success. I hate the way the A's have been run. I hate it. I'm a Giants fan. I look at the A's like a joke. And yeah, you bring up guys and you ball out, you make the playoffs, you flame out. You know how to build a regular season roster. Come playoff time, you flame out and you disappoint. And then you trade everybody away. Like, so you bringing up all this success he had with the A's only reinforces four horns running us like we're the A's. Okay, well, how different, would it be, how different would it be if, let's say, the, the A's were a team that had a budget and could actually keep those players? But they don't, but they don't. I know. That, by, by, in theory, and we'll get to this in a little bit. Yeah, in but they had a big budget in San Diego. So now that brings me to my second point. They yeah. had a big budget in San Diego, and he fell on his face. I mean, he can he can say whatever he wants. Most people around the bigs, whether you say there's internal strife and guys don't get along or whatever, they're all big boys making mega bucks. And I pay a manager to keep everybody on the same page. Steve Kerr is not Steve Kerr because Kevin Durant didn't want to play with Draymond. He found a way to get them and drag them to the finals when everyone knew that they hated each other. Everyone knew yeah. that they hated each other. So, like, that's the job. The job is to be peacemaker. and. Yeah. I think he failed at his most recent job. Yeah, and I think it's interesting what kind of, I mean, we'll, we'll, I don't know if we'll tr ever truly know what happened in San Diego from what I've heard yeah. is that the guys that, you know, Soto, Bogarts, uh, Tatis, and Machado, they did not get along very well. Uh, there was a constant battle for the spotlight. You got all these guys making big money. Uh, we've heard, you know, that there was kind of some trepidation in that clubhouse surrounding Fernando Tatis Jr. and how he got popped for steroids in the midst of a pennant race. Uh, we remember back in 2021, Manny Machado, who, kind of has a history of being kind of a hothead, uh, you know, screaming, it's not all about you uh, in the dugout at Fernando but, Tati. But can Jr. I stop you right there? Sure. Bruce Pochi twice navigated the steroid thing in the middle of a playoff run. First one, Jose Guillen gets popped right before the weekend's over. I think Jose Guillen's a little bit different than Fernando Tatis Jr., though. I'm just saying, hear me out, hear me out, yeah. just saying. All right, and, and Cody Ross emerges. All right. And it's a little tiny footnote, but it is a huge part of why the Giants ended mm -hmm. up winning it all. The bigger one was 2012. Miguel Cabrera was the MVP of the league, MVP of the yeah. team through Miguel 90 Cabrera. games. Okay. He was the all star MVP. And this guy got popped for roids famously, and he didn't lose the locker room. Right. So I'm just giving I mean, it's different personalities, example. though. I mean, when you have a, a guy like a Buster Posey in your clubhouse being that kind of player leader that he was versus a Manny Machado, who's never really had that reputation. That's I mean, fair who, counter. I mean, who would you rather have leading your clubhouse, Buster Posey or Manny Machado? Well, that's I mean, not really hard. That's not, that's not a hard question to answer there. So I do think getting out of that toxic situation in San Diego is going to be good for him. Uh, maybe someone else goes in there and maybe they are able to kind of be the Manny whisperer or the Fernando Tatis whisperer and can kind of steer the Padres in, in, in a positive direction. Um, I don't know how much of that is on Bob Melvin. It's kind of hard to know that without all the of the specifics. What I do know is that he won't have that kind of clubhouse strife here 
uh, with the Giants. The Giants, for the most part, they don't have any of those kind of egotistical guys, at least anymore now that, you know, Captain Pusoy is, is heading out of the uh, out of the, the organization, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I just, when I look, and Farhan kind of mentioned this, how he would take, well, here's what Farhan had to say about Bob's leadership, and then I'll, I'll give you my thought on that. And I've been around Bob, seeing how he runs a clubhouse, sees how he runs a team, and, you know, I would put his leadership and management skills up against anybody in the game, and so that's part of why we're so excited to have him. I mean, uh, uh, let me ask you, if the Dodgers hired Bob Melvin, would you dramatically think that they improved their managerial position over Dave Roberts? I would Roberts? say that they made a lateral move from Roberts to Melvin. That's only because I'm very not high on Dave Roberts as a manager. I think Dave Roberts is basically Gabe Kapler with better players. I think with, with Bob Melvin, I th- when I heard uh, Farhan say that, I kind of took that as a, a slight shot at Kapler in terms of you know leading the clubhouse because we all heard the story about how there was a team meeting at the end of the year and Gabe Kapler didn't speak. If there's a team meeting and your manager's not speaking, that's kind of a head scratcher. I see you know Kapler very hands off. You know you can't lose a clubhouse that you never had. Hmm. I think Melvin he's not going to be that hands off guy that Gabe Kapler will be. You'll see him more in the player area of the clubhouse. He'll be more interacting with the players more. And yeah, I think there's there's more of a hands-on leadership approach that I expect Bob Melvin to have with this organ with the Giants and along with a coaching staff full of people who actually played baseball like keep in mind not not to really rail against Kai Correa but you had a a coach in Alyssa Nacken who had more playing experience than the Giants bench coach in Kai Correa and again not trying to take away from either one of them but at the same time this is a major league baseball clubhouse like that cannot be the dynamic and now you're going to have real ball players in this clubhouse with these current ball players. Will Clark might be more involved as well. Like, I do think that it's not just what Bob Melvin brings. It's who he's bringing in with that I think will really help this team out a lot in terms of having a legitimate big boy coaching staff that these players in the clubhouse will look up to and respect. Like, I think when, when you have coaches who are the same age as the players, that's kind of a weird dynamic. When you have coaches who are older than the players, it's kind of easier to look up to them as like a, in a respected kind of sense, you'll respect your elders. I, I see that kind of happening there. Um, hopefully I'm not grasping at straws and trying to justify this if Rockies, hire. If the Rockies made this hire, would you dramatically think that the Rockies have figured it out? I think this kind of plays into probably not, but I also think this plays into what you said earlier. It, you got to have good players. Uh, <laughs> and well, that's, that's a whole other situation there, but look, I'm trying to be optimistic. I'm tr- Sam. Yeah. I am, but like, he's a career mediocre coach. Like that's what he is a manager. And he's had some good rosters. He's done some decent things. He's qualified for the playoffs. And, and the, that is part of his resume. He has some horrific in-game decisions, whether it's pinch running, whether it's going with Liam Hendricks as an opener, like he has a lot of things on his, on his track record that are undesirable. Okay. And so I I feel like what it feels like to me, and this is independent of Bob is a course correction from Farhan Zaidi. Damn. I ran out Bruce Bochy. Damn. Bruce Bochy's back in baseball. Damn. Bruce Bochy's a couple of wins away from winning a world series. Damn, I need to get somebody similar to the characteristics of Bruce Bochy. And it's kind of like in one direction with Gabe. And now it feels like they're trying to go polar opposite with Bob Melvin. And to me, it's like that. they should have just fired the GM and gone with a different principle. I know he doesn't believe in the things that he's saying at that podium for anxiety. And I question whether Bob's going to be allowed to be the one to make decisions on pinch hits, who's starting, I really, rotation, yeah. platoons. Like, so... Like, I get where you're coming from, and I like Bob Melvin, the person, but to take it a step further and say that this is a grand slam hire, and that's not what you're saying, or to say that they're now going to do things the right way and old school style, and they're going to blend the arts, and I got to believe it before I see it. I think that's a lot of Giants fans. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's like you're saying, you know, we want Bruce Bochy. But you're saying, oh, no, we have Bruce Bochy at home. And then you get home and, and you have Bob Melvin at home, not Bruce Bochy. That's I, I'm not saying it's a home run hire. If I were to grade it, I gave it like a B minus, maybe on the high end. To put it in baseball parlance, not a home run. I'd say it's maybe a hard double off the wall. Um, I do think the Giants got a little bit better. Whether they got better enough, that's to be seen. If Gabe Kapler could keep you in contention till the last week of the regular season, I think Bob Melvin can keep you in contention till the second weekend of October which is better than the last week of September, but also there's still two weeks left after that second week in October that we need to see the Giants get to. So you can rationalize it. Well, you know, managers make mistakes. They learn, they get better, blah, blah, blah. 
listen, I think a good manager changes your, your, your record five to 15 games. I really do. Yeah. I don't, I just, I think it's a good hire. I don't know if it's a good enough hire. Uh, If he has a lineup that has a lot of really good players in it, that might help, but that's not really on Bob to make happen. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging in fact wasabi is up to 80 percent less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from wasabi's ai enabled intelligent media storage wasabi air to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals data deletion and ransomware wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data wasabi another boston-based championship team you are listening to the garlic fries and baseball guys podcast sam Lumman and joe shasky coming at you whenever we're able to during this off season uh make sure you're liking listening reviewing subscribing sharing telling other people about it uh you know bring it up at thanksgiving dinner because we're we're about a month out from that you know people love hearing about garlic fries and baseball guys at the thanksgiving table uh all part of the odyssey sports network here at 95 7 the game Shasky, I sigh heavily here because there is nothing that makes sports fans more depressed than when their owner, whose name is not Joe Lacob, speaks. And Greg Johnson, who is officially the point person for the Giants ownership group, which, first off, interesting thing. Larry Bear was not at Bob uh, Belvin's press. Well, he was there, but he wasn't on. The, he wasn't at the podium. It was not at Farhan, the dance. Bob and Greg. No Larry Bear, which I thought was kind of interesting because, you know, Larry, he loves being the face of these these public events here. So Greg Johnson is officially the top of the, 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 the pinnacle of the Giants Christmas tree, so to speak. And this is the absolute gem of a statement that he opened up the presser with. I know I speak for many people, both in this room today and following from afar, that we are so excited to have him leading our club. I can't think of any other person in baseball with the level of integrity and respect and achievements that Bob's had in his career. Well, maybe there's one, but he's a little bit busy these days. So you think of. <laughs> Why would you say that? Why? You had a great statement there. No one we'd rather have leading this team with the integrity. That's all you need to say. Full stop. No more speaking. Why do you need to bring up Bruce Bochy there? Why do you need to remind us of the manager we all wish we had in that moment? This is supposed to be Bob, Bob Melvin's day. All right. In, in that moment, you completely took that this presser before Bob even said anything, before Farhan even said anything, and just cast this absolute sh- toxic shadow over the entire thing. The fact that you had the little laugh from the media after that, Bob Melvin, I was watching it, he kind of has like this awkward, what do I do kind of smile there because that's a horrifically awkward thing to be in. You're being introduced as the next manager of the Giants and the owner is basically saying, there's someone else we would rather have in this position besides you, but we forced him out or he left, whichever theory you want to go with. And it's just, 
the like I heard that and I, I couldn't focus for the next few minutes of the presser because all I'm thinking is what I'm saying right now, which is like, why would you go there? Like owners not named Joe Lacob don't talk ever. None of you have anything useful to say. I know you have to be there because you write the checks and everything, but like, just say hello, everybody. I'm going to get the hell out of the way and let the people whose job it is to actually do baseball stuff, say their baseball things. Greg Johnson, you do not need to speak anymore. And we're going to hear from you again in this segment. And it's going to be even worse than that. I, I just, it blew me away that when introducing your new manager, you basically slap him across the face by insinuating that, they wish that they had the guy who used to be there, who's also in the World Series right now. And it completely took me out of the presser for about five or six minutes. I had to get that off my sh- chest. Shasky, you probably have a more rational response to that. I mean, this is this is a guy that shouldn't be running our team. I mean, this is a six, seven, or eight billion dollar corporation on the open market. And 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 this guy says that. We haven't heard him talk all year. He announced Buster Posey from Zoom. Okay, so this is like really one of the first times we've seen him at a podium. And you say that? I mean, look, we make fun of Jed York a lot. I know this. I know Jed knows the more he says, the worse it goes for him. I know he's aware mm-hmm. of that. And I got to give Jed Why, credit. We've heard I don't a little from him ever since Kyle Shanahan showed up. I don't think he's perfect, but I think there's a clear number three when it comes to the the owners uh, in the Bay Area. It's are the faces of the ownership groups. Uh, Joe Lacob's number one. Lacob's yeah. number two. Jake Lacob's number one. Uh, Jed is number two. And clearly, Greg Johnson, in terms of confidence level, is three. And this guy, no, I, I don't think I he think has any. What are his prerequisites to well, be I would the put head the Stark donor, Hosno ahead Greg Johnson at this point right now? Uh Here's the thing. Greg Johnson, he he made his, his money with uh, Frank, Franklin Templeton Investments. He's an investment guy. So let me put this in language he might understand. Greg Johnson, you're a bad investment. All right. And it's just this ownership is a just it's a horrible investment right now. You know, growing up, I grew up with 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 Peter McGowan uh, running the ownership group. And when McGowan was run, was calling the shots, I mean, the Giants, they, they weren't winning the World Series. But I felt like the goal every year with this ownership was we're going to do everything we can to win. And then when he passed, uh, Bill Papa Bowtie Newcomb took over, and he took it to 11. He poured all sorts of resources into making the Giants a competitive baseball team that was going to win and make the playoffs, and it worked. They won the World Series in 2010, and then 13 months later, as I mentioned on the Morning Roast one time, he got forced out by Larry Bear and friends. And we never really talked about that. Uh, I feel like no one ever really paid much attention to that. I always remember that the, the day it happened, you could see the pain in Newcomb's face. He knew that he was being forced out for unscrupulous matters. And this brings me to the fact that the current ownership group, whether it's you know Greg Johnson, Larry Bear, I have always seriously doubted their desire to win, how much they value winning. I know people say, oh, well, Larry, he got those two World Series championships. He inherited a great situation from Bill Newcomb. And when things went south, he drove this team into the ground. Then Larry Bear, he saw his uh, 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 his his role within the organization diminish after he had the altercation with his wife. And now you had Rob Dean was running it for a minute, but now it appears that Greg Johnson is the point guy. Whoever it is, they don't, they're not, I love the Giants, but they are not run by serious baseball people. They are not. And this all just, just it just really irritated me. I want to play this next Greg Johnson cut because, this was even worse, I think, to say than mentioning Bruce Bochy. You know, I, I think it just it depends a lot on, you know, who we target. And, and you know, when you look at luxury tax, I mean, in a, in a one-year number, you could go past that if you had to. You know, I don't think it's something we want to do um, for a long period. And I think if you look at the teams that have, you know, jumped up in free agency, they didn't really have great years this year, you know, with the spending. So I'm not sure there's a direct correlation there. Um, but, you know, we plan on being active in it, and if we have to go through that, we will go through that. But we also, you know, represent a group that uh, hopefully our goal is to somewhat break even, which is somewhat a challenge in this business. Uh, but everybody, I can tell you from the ownership side, uh, the goal is to win. And, and that's what we uh, are doing everything we can. Really quick, some context there because I didn't do a good job setting that up. The question he was asked was, would the Giants go into the luxury tax to sign a big-name free agent? And then that garbled word salad was his response. Shasky, I really hope the Giants can break even next year so then we can raise that banner. Giants, 2024, we broke even! Like, I'm sorry, no 
one ever, especially here in the Bay Area where we're all socialists and hate billionaires. No one wants to hear a billionaire complain about breaking even, especially when your job is not to break even. Your job is to win baseball games. When has Joe Lacob ever complained about breaking even? When has Jed York said, we only rent, uh, raise banners for two reasons, Super Bowls and breaking even? Like, I feel like it's a bad Breaking Bad spinoff. Love it. This is what they are like. And, and here's the funny thing. No one's saying you got to go into the luxury tax. Stop giving guys like Mitch Haniger deals. <laughs> stop, giving, <laughs> stop giving guys like, like, you know, uh, Alex. Cobb and, yeah. I mean, Shamanaya, Stripling. Like, I mean, these are the deals that you are the ones that gave out. No one was giving Mitch Haniger a three-year deal. No one was giving a one-year deal to Conforto. Like, this is all of their own making, and no fan gives two shits whether you breaking even or not. All we care about is are you fun and are you winning? It's very simple. It's a simple yeah. sports equation. Newsflash. Sports are simple for the consumer. Are you fun and do you win? I don't give two shits if you're breaking even or losing a billion dollars. You know what I'll say about the Tampa Bay Rays? Does anyone who is a fan of the Rays, and I don't think there are many of them because they had the lowest attended playoff game like ever, does anyone care that they're profitable? Does anyone care that no, they're making literally money? No fan cares that they're profitable. Never once have I gone to a Giants game, bought garlic fries, and be like, oh, good. I'm doing my part to help Greg Johnson and friends break even. You know what's point. the best way to make, move, make money? Winning. You know what Joe Lacob understands? Winning is you when you win – Everything else falls into place. That's why I always say everyone within the Giants front owner, uh, front office and in their ownership group, they should wear little bracelets that say WWJLD. What would Joe Lacob do? That well, is like, yeah. Look at the Phillies. I mean, look, the Phillies are not the biggest market on the East Coast. They're big, right? The Giants are big. They're not the biggest on the West Coast, but they're big. Um, you spent 20 million on Jock. He's a platooner. He's a DH. They spent 20 million on Schwarber and 20 million on Castellanos and both of those players are three times the player that Jack Peterson is Absolutely. again. It's not about how much you spend. It's about how wisely you spend and who you're spending the money on. So yeah. all of these conversations, you know, where they're going back to everyone, whether it's Melvin, whether it's Charles Johnson, it's the guy who's picking the players. It's the guy who's, who's handing out the contracts. It's yeah. your boy Farhan. No, he really is. And the idea that, that money doesn't lead to wins. Sure. Maybe this year that holds serve because the Mets, Yankees, and Padres have the three highest payrolls this year and didn't make the playoffs. I think they which, all finished again, with better saying, records, Neil, except well, the Mets. Yeah, well, well, also you're saying that, oh, the Padres didn't make the playoffs despite having all that money. Well, that's, again, the second you know backhanded slap that you've given to your new manager because he was the manager <laughs> of that Padres team. So forget that. But let's say also ignore the fact that the next four teams on the payroll list this year were the Rangers, Phillies, Dodgers, and Astros. Whose season would you rather have? Any of those four teams or the Giants season? Well, like, hey, come on here. A, Go back to take a step further. Let me take a step further. Yeah. You see the guy who's leading his team to the World Series? They're probably going to end up losing. Um, he's the guy that was taking six slots after Hunter Bishop, who mm. Farhan Zaidi, the guy who's the head of the team, selected. Remember, he was supposed to improve the farm. He selected Hunter Bishop, who can't get out of single A, and the Diamondbacks took Corbin Carroll. So, again, there's no money attached to Corbin Carroll right now. Yeah. None. Yeah. I mean, it that's just heavy hey, pick crap. Money versus draft is a different thing, but I hear what you're saying there. Oh, how about Gunnar Henderson? Henderson? Let's go second round then. Let's go yeah. second round. Same draft. Gunnar Henderson. That guy played shortstop for the Baltimore Orioles. They won, I don't know, a zillion games this year. They look like one of the most promising teams in baseball. Why are they good? They've hit on draft picks. You know what else they did? Lost 100 games multiple years in a row and then nailed their draft picks. You know what the Giants yeah. have failed to do? Nail their draft picks. Well, the Giants it's have been very failing at draft equation. This is still the same Giants. This, the Giants are the same organization that thought Christian Arroyo was a better baseball player than Aaron Judge at that one point. 12 so, years ago. But again, it's just you're right. It's just a long history of not hitting draft picks. Farhan, I think, is so far done better, mostly than Sabian and the draft. Why, he hasn't traded anyone. Well, because, because he kept, is he kept every because he's kept all of his prospects. Name one guy you've seen that's shown up. It's like, yep, that guy's a guy. He's a dude. I think we've agreed that Patrick Bailey has been that guy, slow finish, notwithstanding. But my the my guy point in Arizona that, who's catching right now, whose name none of us knows, had a better year than Patrick Bailey in your own division and is a rookie as well. Well, I'm not willing to give up on Patrick Bailey. I'm not either, but I'm just saying, like, this yeah. is if we're gonna have a sophisticated conversation about roster construction, we also have to acknowledge 
he's got a poo-poo platter of draft picks because someone has to be rated in your pipeline. Like, yeah. we're not we're not comparing and contrasting pipelines. Wow, he's third in your pipeline. Yeah, your your third best player is that team's fifteenth best player. You know what I'm saying? I hear you there, but again, it's I I, I tr- it, with players that are drafted. I try to give a more of a long term view of it because it just it's so hard. I think to just look at a draft right off the bat. And I mean, again, the 2019 draft. There's things that went on in that one that that the Giants botched that draft. There's no there's no denying that. Next year though, they come back. Kyle Harrison, Patrick Bailey. Say what you will about what they did this year. Those are two guys that I do look at, and I, I they do give me hope. How they compare to other players, I don't know. They could be better next year. You would hope so with a better coaching staff, a better manager. But this all comes back to the fact that, yeah, it is about spending wise. I do think that this team is hampered by the fact that the guy giving out contracts is Farhan Zaidi. That's definitely going to hurt the Giants a little bit, as we've already seen. But really, I, I want to bring this back to the ownership conversation, though, because that's what I wanted this to be about. And that is, it, it, it just it's, it's so hard for me to be enthusiastic about the immediate future of the Giants when that's the mentality that leadership is having. No, I understand. Like I said at the beginning, Peter McGowan, I never doubted that the desire for Peter McGowan was to win baseball games. Bill Newcomb, I never doubted that his desire was to win baseball games. Larry Bear, I think he enjoyed winning. I think what he enjoyed more, though, were sellout crowds and money. Rob Dean, I think he enjoyed the fact that he got to do the job for only a little bit before someone else took it from him. I never saw him as a long-term option. You know, Greg Johnson, I think what he really enjoys is making money. I think he enjoys being a real estate baron. I think he enjoys having fun conversations with his dad about God knows what awful things that they like to talk about. Like, I don't see the priority there. Jed York, I know he wants to win and he'll shut up to make it happen. Joe Lacob, I know he wants to win and he will run roughshod over this league to make it happen. I don't see that from this Giants ownership. And it's at the point where, congratulations, Giants fans. We are now officially in the club of teams with crappy owners. Like, you know, our ownership group, it's basically the Chris Cohen Warriors. That's basically what the Giants are devolving into. That might be a bit of an extreme, but I think we have more of a Chris Cohen situation than we do a Jed York, Joe Lacob situation with this ownership group. And that is what really upsets me the most about the current situation with the Giants. I'm still going to go to games, mainly because I can kind of get in for free. But at some point, when you're worrying about breaking even, Fans just won't show up if that's your number one goal. And it's really hard to break even when your fans don't show up. So congratulations, Greg. You played yourself. So uh, I'm ready to move on from this. Look, I love you, Sam. I love you (laughs) a lot. But what did you expect this guy to say? I have zero confidence in Greg. Honestly, I would have expected him to just say nothing. We have no one that we'd rather have up here. He has the highest of integrity. There's no one we'd rather have. I'm going to now step down and let these two baseball guys handle it from there. Like, I can't think of a single bad moment that Farhan had in that presser because Greg Johnson was just that awful. <laughs> you know, but what should, what, like, again, what should he say? Nothing. Unless your name is Joe Lacob, you do not speak. Even Joe Lacob wasn't even perfect at Mike Dunleavy's presser when he's basically absolved Draymond Green for all the nonsense that he's done. So if Joe Lacob can't even get through a presser without, you know, having a misstep, who the hell thinks that Greg Johnson would? So again, moral of the story, the less Greg Johnson talks, like, great. Maybe instead of a what would Joe Lacob do, it's what would Jed York do? Because what Jed York would do is shut the heck up. And so, Greg, maybe you should do that going forward. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lumman and Joe Shasky coming at you as often as we can, as long as Giants ownership isn't irritating us. Uh, like, listen, review, subscribe, share, tell everybody about it. All part of the 97, 95-7 The Game, Odyssey, Sports Network. I completely flubbed that one. Um, 
Shasky, I know you're a big sausage guy, um, but I'm kind of curious. Are, are you overall a ballpark food guy? I mean, sure. All right, because this year I, I did what I thought was kind of a, a fun little uh, excru- uh, project for me. As I went to baseball games, as I went to Giants games, I decided to sample 15 of the signature concession items. At, I already uh, know what my number one year. is. Yeah, so I'm kind of curious. What is, when you go to games, what is your go-to ballpark concession item? It's taken me almost 20 years, but the, my now new favorite one is the cha-cha bowl. Really? Okay. Yeah, uh, I, the the chicken is screaming. I mean, it's really, 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 really good. Um, you know, I, I'm not a big chowder bowl. Uh, even the garlic fries, I feel like they've. You know, we can talk about the quality level. I feel like it's gone down a little. Tony's pizza is not well, bad. I give you the hack on that one. <laughs> you know, I used to be. A, I, I like. I like to have like a malt. You know, a, a very cold okay. chocolate malt where the wooden spoon would break. Like that was my signature <laughs> candlestick. I think Cha Cha Bowl is the number one. It takes forever because that line I can get long. Candlestick, but it's hella good. Yeah, no, I'm a big on the Cha Cha Bowl too. So I ranked again 15 signature concession all items. Right, give it to me. I, I left some off the list. I'm not gonna get into all of them because I'm gonna write this give list up top and, and publish it for the station. Um, but a couple of things first off, I left out kind of like the standard stuff like hot dogs, fries, pizza, yes. stuff like that because you can get that at any at any mm. uh, ballpark. Controversially, I did not include the garlic fries. What about Cracker there. Jacks? Is that in the standardized? Cracker Jacks, peanuts, ice cream, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, all Cracker Jacks is a must you for can me. Get, you can get that. Yeah, but you can get that. I, I wanted to go for like signature items okay. that were really exclusive to Oracle Park. Um, I did leave the garlic fries off because they're, they transcend rankings. The garlic fries are always my number one at Oracle Park. Um, the hardest part of this uh, project was there were so many games where I did not get garlic fries. Uh, so I had to eat something that wasn't garlic fries. So uh, I did have cha-cha bowl on my list. I put that at number three. Uh, big yeah. fan of the cha-cha bowl, the, the the Caribbean jerk chicken with the broccoli slaw and the beans. They put a little bit of chipotle sauce yeah, on it. Ooh. It's fire. Oh, this could, this could make me really hungry. Um, number one on my list, this, this might change though as I re-rank things. Well, I'm not going to say number one, but the big newcomer this year was the crab fries, the crab waffle fries. I don't know if you I had a chance had to use those. Oh, they were so good. Like, I don't know what makes it. It's just the idea of crab meat and fr- and fried potato is absolutely delicious. Squirt a little bit of lemon on it, too, to give it a little bit of a zest there. Okay, I'm going to try that and out. Where did it is Absolutely. That? So you get that one at Murph's Irish Pub. It's the same place where you can get Guinness in the fried Brussels in the grilled Brussels sprouts, which unfortunately I didn't get to do the Brussels sprouts this year. I was very unfortunate there because uh, I am a big Brussels sprout fight guy. One of the most underrated food items at the ballpark that I encourage everybody to go and try next year. It's the gluten-free flatbread pizza that you get in the, uh, the garden out in center field. Okay. Now the reason what made it so good. First off the, the, the metrics I used to judge everything was one, obviously taste big factor Two, the price is the price worth what you're buying. And three, how satisfied were you afterwards? As in, was I still hungry after I ate it? The, uh, the gluten-free flatbread pizza, I think it's like 14 bucks. It was, I didn't know if I actually wrote that one down. Um, and then if you have, you know, the season ticket discount, it can knock it down to about $12. It is a sizable pizza. Like it is about like this long. They load it up. I got the sausage, uh, cause I am a sausage guy too. Um, I got the sausage flatbread pizza and it's not too greasy. It's not too hard to eat. It's not too messy. And it fills you up very well. One of the most underrated items at the ballpark. Um, one of the most overrated food items at the ballpark, it's the crab sandwich. You ever get the crazy crab sandwich? Yeah, it's okay. It's it's canned crab, it's, I think. Yeah, it's it's cold and it's wet and it's hot and it's dry at the same time. It's and it's so overpriced. Yeah, twenty two bucks of disgusting nothingness. Uh, you want to know what you should be getting there, Shasky? You want to get the crab Louis sandwich? Ooh, you can get okay. the same the same stand. Okay. As the crab sandwich, it's a little bit cheaper. It's a cold sandwich, but it has crab, shrimp, and lettuce on it and mayonnaise. Not only does it taste better, not only is it cheaper, but it fills you up far more than the crazy crab sandwich. All right, I'll take your word for it. And one last one I want to highlight before we get out of here is uh, the baby bowl tri-tip sandwich. This is oh no, sorry, not that one. I want to highlight the uh, the pulled pork sandwich, not the tri-tip sandwich, the pulled pork sandwich that you get at the Brothers Barbecue stand behind, I think, section 108. There's never a line, and you just get these fat 
fat sliders with all with massive amounts of pulled pork. He got fries okay. with it. Incredibly good. I brought that back to the press box, and everybody was like, "What is that?" Like you, uh, J- John Dickinson was there, our own super reporter, boots on the ground. He was there. He took one look. It's like, "Whoa, Sam, what did you get that?" It's like right over there at 108. He's like, "All right, I'm gonna go get it." Ended up being one of his favorite things. He ate at the ballpark all year. So. Again, I just want to have a fun little food conversation. Like Those are some of the, the big food items that I found this year. Again, I'm going to be writing this up for the station. It'll have it out probably sometime next week where I rank the 15 best signature food dishes at Oracle Park. Because, um, again, we are very lucky. We have great food at this ballpark. You know, like I would go to a few A's it's games. way better than Levi's food. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, well, I've never really had Levi's food. I have Levi's press box food, which is its own. I should start rating uh, press box food, actually. Um but yeah, like you go to the Coliseum, it's tough to find something you want to eat at the Coliseum. Uh, yeah, Levi's food's not that great. Even Chase Center food is is okay, but arena like for some reason our NBA arena prices are just always so freaking high. Best thing at the uh, Warrior game is, and you're gonna laugh at me. They have like a chocolate peanut, uh, chocolate dripped. Um, it's kind of like Cracker Jacks, but instead of you know the Cracker Jacks, it's it's chocolate and it's oh, okay. to die for. Oh my god. My well, last game I actually went to a Chase Center. I went to uh, the preseason game against the Spurs. Chase Center had they have a burger dog. Oh yeah, that's so the, the hot dog yeah. bills. Yeah, um, it's like out at Oak Club, but it's not as good as the Oak Club one. And I hate to be. I would, I would imagine. I would imagine. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's about thirty dollars. Good, but it's good. Yeah, it it's is good. Yeah, like dog, a hot dog. It's a, are, it sounds weird, but it's actually pretty no, good. It, yeah, it, it doesn't taste any different and all. But uh, and last but not least, when it comes to Oracle Park food, gotta gotta highlight the the Ghirardelli hot fudge sundae. All right, when it's a it's when it's a hot day. When I say hot, I mean like 74 degrees. There is nothing that hits better than a Ghirardelli hot fudge Sunday, except for maybe Patrick Bailey from the right side. Uh, I love that Ghirardelli hot fudge Sunday. It is absolutely delicious. A little bit pricey, but I'll always cape up for that. So um, before we get out of here, uh, I know I want to end on a high note, but I'm not. Uh, really quick, Alex Cobb um, underwent hip surgery this week. He's not going to be back until May now. What's, what's that do for you, Shasky? Not much. I know. Here's the poor, frustration with me. His guy. last start, his last start was September 19th. We knew he had a hip issue. Why are we waiting until now to have this? He's 36. Do like, we really think he was going to be like a staple of the rotation? Going listen, forward? I'm not expecting Alex Cobb to come back and be a Cy Young front runner next year. That was never my expectation, but I did expect him. He was a good part of this team this year. He really was. He was a positive and a season. Oh, I agree. Black I agree. Him. He was a good pitcher this year who faded down the stretch somewhat predictably, but you know how important this guy is. Why are you, why wait? I, d- I just don't get that. Um, all right. Now here's my last, 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 last thing. Shasky, it's November 1st. And no, I'm not talking about the day the Dodgers lost the 2017 world series. This November 1st, it's 2010. 1st is one of the greatest days ever. Cause 13 years ago, the giants won their first West coast world series. Really quick. Shasky, uh, Really, really live that night for me really quick. Uh, my parents came over to our apartment, my wife and I, that we had over on Mission Street. And my brother came over and we were listening to the game on the radio, which was 10, 15 seconds ahead of the television. Mm-hmm. And I remember having everything ready. Let's pitch one of the greatest games of all time. I mean, it was mm-hmm. just such a shutdown game came out of that game. I'll never forget the Andres Torres. He told me he was going to do it. He told me <laughs> he was going to do it from the batter's box. Uh, or excuse me, from the on deck circle as Renneria went yard. Uh, and when they won, I dropped to my knees. My brother ran to the refrigerator, pulled out the champagne. We ran out onto Mission Street, and we watched as all the bars flowed out <laughs> of the street because we were ahead of the televisions that were in all the bars because we were listening on the radio. I blacked out. Uh, I owned a little store at that time. I didn't wake up in time to open up the store the next day. I woke up with all my clothes on and one of the worst hangovers of my life. Worth it. Did you go to the I parade? I still have pictures and videos. You made it to the parade? Oh, the parade I had to work. No. Ah, darn. So for me, I was a I'm senior. I'm not big on parade. Mission Street the night of was off the hook. So I was a senior in high school at the time. I had football practice that day. Uh, it was Monday. So it was a Monday kind of walkthrough review. We have film afterwards. And so I'm missing the game. I'm completely missing the game right now. And that's whatever. You know, I put my team that I played for ahead of the Giants at the time. Um, so we're sitting, we're doing our film review. And my mom's texting me updates as we're going along. And at one point, my phone buzzes, Renteria, three-run home run. I'm not listening to the film review anymore. I don't care. I, whatever. The entire room starts buzzing a little bit. So coach's like, all right, you know what? Get out of here. I 
bolt out of the room, sprint to my car, run a couple stop signs trying to get home, get home just in time for like the eighth inning. And I watched the last inning and a half. And then, yeah, Brian Wilson strikes out Nelson Cruz. I scream at the top of my lungs. I'm going absolutely nuts, jumping up and down for the next 15, 20 minutes, saying all sorts of words that I can't say on the radio. Uh, of course, it's a podcast, so it doesn't really count. One of the happiest moments of my entire of one of the happiest nights of my entire life. You know, you always say, you know, which is the best title, you know, 10, 12, 14. For me, it's 10 because you never forget your first. Um, I remember going to school the next day, happiest in my life. Everyone's saying, you know, I was the big Giants fan in my class. Everybody knew that. Shock, I might shock you that everyone knew that I was a big Giants fan. I was already planning on going to the parade no matter what. I didn't tell any of my teachers. I just said, I'm going to be there. Like, don't expect me in class tomorrow. The only person I checked in to make sure it was cool with was my football coach. Hey, if I skip school, can I still practice on Wednesday? He's like, yeah, sure. That's fine. Went to the parade. We sat on top of one of the bus stops with like the little wavy yellow roofs. Um, we had like 20 people up on this bus stop. I was convinced it was going to collapse. Watching the parade go by, weed smoke everywhere, even though that the the legalized pot uh, measure had been shot down the night before. Uh, always remember Brian. Brian Wilson had the greatest line ever. Oh, it's the electricity. I don't know if the electricity of the crowd or the smell of Prop 19 in the air or whatever prop that it was. Uh, Aubrey Huff eh, ripping the, the thong out of his pants in front of City Hall. It was just such an incredible day that day. I was so dehydrated. I probably had a slight contact high from all the weed around me. And yeah, so just every day on November 1st, it's just it's a day that I always feel really, really good on. And uh, the fact that the Giants lost, the, the Dodgers lost the 2017 World Series on November 1st, it's November 1st, it's up there with October the 3rd in terms of magical dates in Giants history. So just want to finish off on that because 13 years ago today, uh, the Giants did the big thing and uh, hopefully they will do it again soon. So this has been episode 79 of the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lemon here with Joe Shasky. Uh, angry about some things, happy about others. But uh, until then, we'll catch you on the next one.